23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, lobs one down the sideline for Bins, he's got it, touchdown, 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 Armand Bins. Copain driving to the bucket, fake shot, around the rim, it's good, it's good, it counts, it's good. Kay takes the shotgun snap, short drop, looking, fires down the middle of the field, caught by Kelsey, he's running away to the 30, the 20, the 10, it's a miracle, a touchdown for the Bearcats. It's up to Evans, he's near the top of the key, two-point jumper, bullseye, with four tenths of a second to go. Hello listeners, new and old, welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Meyer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. If you haven't already, make the rounds on social media and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for our daily content and clips. You can also follow us wherever you're listening on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and be the first to hear our new episodes every Friday. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this show, make sure to share us with your friends. You can follow us at Viva La Cats Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and feel free to check out more from Steve at UC Uniforms on Twitter and IG to stay up to date on all things Bearcats Unis. In the case that you haven't seen this news yet, we do have something a little extra for you guys this week. Alongside this episode that we're using to cover football, we'll also be releasing a bonus episode talking strictly Bearcats basketball over the weekend. There's a lot to unpack, and we don't want to have to bore you guys with an hour and a half, two hour long episode for these conversations. So we're going to split them in two. So be on the lookout for that bonus episode of Viva La Cats this weekend. With all that said, welcome to Viva La Cats. And I want to know, how does it feel to be the number two team in the nation? Uh, to quote the great Travis Kelsey, feels great, feels fucking great. So we're back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's That was a... Uh, sorry, Justin, that was just a video from uh, our friend Chad Brendel uh, from his YouTube page after the 2009 Pitt game, uh, and yeah. he somehow caught Travis Kelsey walking off the field, and he said that quote. So <laughs> find that on YouTube sometime, listeners. It, I think it sums it up pretty well. It's It doesn't have to be some long-winded explanation. Like It just feels nice, and it, it you know... A lot of people can sort of denounce the importance of rankings or say what they want. But at the end of the day, rankings do matter because rankings put you as a team on the map and they show your visibility to the rest of the nation. And when you play a game against a ranked team or you are a ranked team and you play against a team that is or is not ranked, there's a lot of you know volatility that goes into that. And, and if you mess up, it can really ruin your season. And if you if you upset or you do great or you play the way you're supposed to, you'll be rewarded for that. And, and for once, the Bearcats feel like they're actually being rewarded for the things that they've done. And, and, and not just to a, a point of, oh, you know, they're a top 25 team. They can hang with some of these other teams. Like, this is a lot different. Where we're at in these rankings is a lot different. It's when you hit the top 10, it's different. And when you hit the top five, you're on a whole different level and there's these tiers that start to stack up. And for once we're in like, we're the guys, you know, we are the ones to gun for. So it feels nice. We had a little taste of this during our maiden voyage of Eva, the cats, when we reached number five in the country with our basketball team. And obviously in the nineties, we had a few different years where we had number one ranked teams throughout the season. Obviously the 1999 to 2000 season, we were ranked number one pretty consistently throughout the entire year we haven't really experienced this from the football side though and for whatever reason it feels like it carries much more weight in football because there's obviously less games and there's much more pride i think involved in football and i think it's also that just for a younger fan base we haven't experienced this in this sport experienced it in basketball a little bit but in football it's different and it feels really good it feels like brand new thing at basketball we during that week where we were ranked number five it went away quickly because we lost at houston and then we lost at home to wichita and we tumbled out of the top five but now i think the feeling number two is more tangible because you get the shine the glow on you for hopefully longer than a week this time yeah i think we have a good chance to win and keep stay where we are or keep rising up the rankings even more. Coach Luke Fickle said on Tuesday, we're, uh, there's still one team better than us, and there's eight team, 
teams in the top 10 ranked behind us. So <laughs> it, that that's all it means. And like, exactly. I, I, I think I love his shtick and it's not really a shtick. It's just how he is. You right. Know? Hasn't gotten old yet to me. I really enjoy it still. And he's just fun about it. And so, but hey, like the great Travis Kelsey said, feels great. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we can kind of break this down too. Cause I wanted to touch on this. Purdue did us a massive favor and, and it can't go unseen because, you know, we could sit here and say like, yeah, we, you know, beat our way to the, you know, top two out of the top three. We played UCF who's down a man and we'll get into a lot of what happened with the UCF game. Um, but Purdue did us a favor and that's part of the reason why we jumped up in the top two. And honestly, you have to get those um, helping hands from other people. I don't know if you um, had seen this clip yet, but there was a clip earlier this week or this past week from Paul Feinbaum. If you don't know him, he's an SEC guy, covers for ESPN. Um, he's all over the place. I personally can't stand him because he's there's some very particular words that I could use to describe the way that he is uh, so adamant that like nobody else can come close and nobody else matters except for the SEC because you know there it's different you know I I I get it but regardless we need a lot of favors from other teams we need the general chaos and it was a I mean it's a great point we do as much as we can try to prove our own schedule people look at Notre Dame people look at Indiana as off years and it sucks for us. But the benefit of it is that we won, you know, we won by more than a score in both of those games. It wasn't like a three-point game. It wasn't really close. You know, we had some, uh, the final score doesn't always tell the whole story either. But the point here is that we need the help and we're getting some of that help. And I think, you know, we could also really benefit from the rest of Georgia's schedule too. They don't have uh, necessarily any um, massive teams on their radar for the rest of the year in, in relation to something like Ohio state or any of these big 10 East teams, which is also another point that I want to touch on too. And I want to ask you about as well. They're setting up to put in at least one big 10 team. It's impossible for, I, I mean, I'd even ask you, is it, is it impossible for the big 10 to make the top four and make that college football playoff? Because right now, there are four Big Ten teams in the top 10. And not just four Big Ten teams, but four Big Ten East teams. So four out of the six teams in the Big Ten are in the top 10. I don't know how we can avoid them coming in and stomping over top of everybody and maybe even putting two teams in. Well, the worst fear for all of us Cincinnati fans is that Ohio State... Uh, the defense is real. The offense is still good, and they just run a hell, run like hell through the rest of their schedule and just make it into the playoff. And like we'd have to hear from them the entire way down the stretch, you know. But uh, I think this is the point of like why we thought at some point there was we were ranked like seven or eight, and I think we dropped down one week in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. And while all these Big Ten teams were kept moving up. And there was a lot of people who were like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, guys. There's a lot going on. But those teams all still had to play each other. And then you know, Iowa helped us out by losing to Purdue. Uh, by the way, bo- uh, ham- boiler up, hammer down. Yeah. <laughs> got that wrong, but it's okay. I got it right the second time. Yeah. Um, well, and I think the, the thing is that Iowa State obviously has the talent. I don't know if Michigan has the talent, but Michigan has that game, uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game at home this year. Michigan State looks pretty darn good. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I think there's a lot of interesting storylines to watch as it goes. I think they're only going to get one team in because I think Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, the new guy, is pretty good. Um, and I think they should be able to win out, or if they lose one game, then they'd be 12-1 and team. And think Alabama's only way back in to the playoff now is that they have to beat Georgia in the yeah. SEC championship. Obviously, it doesn't yeah. really matter until the of the championship games where I think the committee gives their best ranking and the math can really play out, you know. Right. Math can show you at that last weekend, hey, this team needs to do this, this team needs to do that. 
we've seen before that a team can jump up here. So that last weekend is really the big weekend or the big week to check on the ratings and see where the ratings say this team is, this team is. And hopefully for the Bearcats, we stay within the playoff field the entire time and we don't really need any help. I'm greedy. I want every other top team to lose so that they have like no excuse to not put us in somehow. Right. And somehow still figure out a way and say that our schedule still was not not good, which, okay, I will, I understand schedule's not great. It's not Mm -hmm. an SEC schedule, but if you want us to play a big 10 schedule, you can just let us in the big 10. You can let us in the SEC, like, you know, like bring it on, you know, wow. Who who cares if the Bearcats aren't a southeastern school? Like you got Southern values, you know. We make fried chicken every now and then, so like I, I just the schedule thing is silly. I think the way you determine, uh, you know, how good your schedule is is the strength of record, you know, or the strength of yeah. result. How mm-hmm. good you're doing it, and uh, as we've seen in the last two games, first two times in UC history that they've scored fifty points in back to back games, and. Yeah. They won both games by sizable margins, you know, on a national stage at home, national television was what I meant to say. Uh, I think all you got to do if you're UC is just watch the other teams around you kind of, you know, do what they do and just kind of keep winning as as well as you can, as as possible. Do yeah. the best you can. Yeah, for sure. And and that's I think that's a very good way to sort of um, segue into this one other point that I wanted to make as well, that I feel like there's obviously there's always a bias there. It's just the way that it works for G five versus power five. There's going to be a bias, but sort of where my, where it grinds my gears here is that strength of record is an argument for every power five team. That's just how it's been. But strength of, or sorry, sorry, I, I messed that up. Strength of schedule is the way that it is for Power 5 teams. Strength of record is how it applies to G5 teams. The problem is, is we can be undefeated at the end of the season, but honestly, that doesn't matter because strength of record doesn't apply to Power 5 teams, especially when you get up to those top 5, top 10 teams like Alabama. Alabama's got a loss, but when we come to this at the end of the season, if they come into a close game, say, what if they go to overtime with Georgia in an SEC championship game? They might have two losses, or they might only have one, but an undefeated Bearcats team that's rolled through everybody they've played, we, even though we don't have the strength of schedule with the strength of record, will still probably be on the outside of that conversation. And it sucks, but like, there's no general rule that applies to everybody. And that's where and I have the biggest issue in my argument with the college playoff system is flawed is because you have to play it one way or the other. I feel like for a long time, you know, before the playoff started, it was kind of like a strength of record thing where, you know, if a, t- a team is undefeated at the end of the season, and another team's undefeated at the season it doesn't really matter necessarily as much who you played. It does to an extent. But think about the 2009 Bearcats team. I mean, we had a good schedule, but it also wasn't like uh, it, it, it doesn't look like a schedule for an SEC or Big Ten team. And we got down to the wire and we rolled through everybody. And then we come to the end of the season and we didn't really have a problem then because, of course, we had the flaw with Texas. But that's a story on its own. Again, now this conversation changes, though, because the strength of record doesn't apply to us anymore. It's really about strength of schedule, and we don't have it. So I guess that's kind of where the biggest concern that I have, and I'm kind of wondering how it's going to play out for the rest of the season. Because when you play teams like UCF, who in the past few years have looked good, but this year they're on a down year and they lost their QB, our strength of record or our strength of schedule drops again, and our validity of our win, even though we blew them out, it. It falls to the floor. And so that's, again, kind of my biggest issue. And I, 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 that's where I want to segue this now to the UCF game because this was a big win. At, like, yeah, it's at home, but, and yeah, they're a man town, but we still dominated the entire game. And the only time that UCF scored was in garbage time. 
they when we had second and third stringers in it's it's not like they had a real shot at this game ever but you know again it's where does this game matter at the end of the season so i'm kind of curious on what your 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 position is on that so uh just to wrap up that last point he's going to be held to an impossible standard just because it says american on our chest and it just we have that weird conference logo that's not one of the main conference logos and everybody knows that we know that we don't have to belabor it anymore Game, though, on Saturday, your boy was in the building. It was a great game to watch uh, in person. Uh, side note, real quick, second deck seats, not too bad. You get to watch yeah. the whole game from up there, and like, I enjoyed the people who I sat next to. We had some knowledgeable football conversations. Not knocking anything about you know like first deck people because those seats are very nice, too. But I think if you're a football fan, you get to a certain point where you don't want to be too far down because you want to watch the play develop. You want to see what goes right. on in the backfield or you know with our defense, how they're attacking the certain formation that UCF is set up in. But it was great to watch because obviously we went up 35 nothing, and they were just just blowing them off the ball on right. both sides and. It started early, like Josh Wiley. I was surprised to hear his name on uh, punt coverage, you know, uh, punt return team. He gets in there, gets a, a side block of the ball, uh, and punt goes about 15, 20 yards. We get the ball on our 39-yard line, and we're off and running. And mm-hmm. I think my prediction kind of came true from last week in that I said yeah. I want us to run the ball because uh, they 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 did. They did good. Um, Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with that too. Like that, I mean, it's it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, I think we should focus on the run game. They they drove it home all game long, like that. There's like game plan and just we're gonna do this only, like, and it showed. That was a vintage 2018 Bearcats game where they decided, you know what, we're just gonna and control the line of scrimmage and just run the ball and pass when we need to and pass effectively. Um, on the outline, you wrote about you know Dez not kind of being under the radar, and he definitely was. I think uh, there was a period and uh, time in the third quarter where uh, UCF was just kind of tired of you know getting the score run up. I think it was like forty-two to seven. We had the ball back, and they're just like, okay, enough of this. And uh, they right. like just started stacking the box and putting. Uh, they ran engage eight. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> like the play <laughs> engage eight from Madden in old NCAA. They ran it three straight times, sacked us twice, and we didn't run the ball on first down. So other than that, though, he looked fine. Throws were there. He was making right. the correct reads. Um, you were watching the game on TV, and Dan Olofsky is a big TV and scheme guy, and he's a big fan of what Des was doing. Uh, Des was making his correct reads and finding yeah. guys. Uh, found some separation there, too. Found Alec Pierce for his only passing mm-hmm. touchdown of the day. Alec Pierce, man, is like – Literally, I feel bad for these AAC DBs who are only like, what, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, They're listed yeah. at 5'10", but we all know what that means. They're a little bit right. shorter than that. Yeah. Like Pierce just goes up and just like, yeah, I'm up here, buddy. Come up and get me. It's yeah. just it's just like holding the ball over the kid, and they're trying to reach up <laughs> at you, and they can't get it. So uh, big fan of Alec Pierce. Big game for him. Uh, the defense also, I think, the obviously – the score still looks good, even though it was 56-21. If all they were doing in the last couple quarters there was just trying to get anything together, just run the hand the ball off and stuff. Second stringers played well, but that's why they're second stringers. They're young. Right. They still got to learn. Uh, I didn't realize that Jawan Briggs was a second string guy. I thought he was going to be brought in here to play more first string rotation. Uh, and like you know, get some of those second and third downs when our guys like Malik Van and Curtis Brooks need a breather. But it's kind of su- uh, surprising and exciting to see such a highly touted transfer that we brought in uh, on like our third string or second or third <laughs> string because you know, the, the it defense, just shows the depth chart, you know. Yeah, the prospects are going to be there next year for sure. So uh, another interception, by the way, for Deshaun Pace. He's been like yep. a man on a mission this year. And I'm excited to watch him work in the Navy game on Saturday because he's going to be – he and Ty Van Fossen are going to be asked to come down and w- watch 
those guys and hold their hold their gaps, hold their integrity in order to stop that triple attack, triple option attack. Um, and Brian Cook, I think, had himself a game on Saturday. I, oh, Brian sure. Cook, I think that might have been his second best game he's played here uh, behind the Peach Bowl last year. He was everywhere last year in the Peach Bowl, and this year, after you know, not playing as well as. Maybe some of us would have hoped uh, because I think we've been a little bit spoiled by having James Wiggins back there for the last three years. Right. And Cook played extremely well, and he came up. And the, the one that was more impressive to me other than him uh, reading the screen out of the backfield when UCF was backed up uh, in their own end zone was him reading the the running back's eyes when they, they were bringing two guys out to block him. He shed the one guy and then – he tackled the the second offensive lineman, and it, he made it look like the running back ran directly to the offensive lineman's yeah. butt. But that was just Brian <laughs> Cook Mark making Sanchez. that play. Yeah, <laughs> little little butt butt fumble action. Um, and obviously your guy Kobe. Uh, you want to talk about him real quick? Yeah, for sure. Like, I just think I don't know. Like when I was talking about this game coming up last week, um. I was definitely like looking at everything going on with sauce this whole season. And there's just so much conversation around him. And, you know, obviously with, with again, that tweet that we had talked about last week, there's, you can't, you can't put a game plan around trying to stuff Gardner and trying to get yards on him. It's just not going to work. I saw something. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but something like if he's had over like 500 snaps and um, since 2020 and he's, only allowed like 250 yards or something like that. Um, it's and it's insane how like you can ask anybody to try to match up against him. You can't, and that's where my where my focus goes always to Kobe because Kobe is right there back with right, right back there with him, and you have to throw to somebody if you're going to throw the ball. And obviously, you know the run game isn't going to work for them either. So they're going to try to pass it, and that young kind of QB is going to give it to somebody. And, you know, thankfully, we got to see not just an interception, but a sweet play. I mean, where he picked it off, he read that perfectly, came right up into the gap. I mean, he was already at speed by the time he caught the ball. Like, that's the coolest thing is, like, sometimes you see, like, when they get an interception, it's like, oh, they read the play, like, and they just jump up, grab it, and then they have to, like, get up to their... He was fully accelerated by the time he caught that, and he just dusted everybody and got down to the end end zone because nobody else is there so again like i always think kobe hasn't had as um much shine obviously he had that um he's had some big plays before if you remember that um the uh two point (laughs) the two point run back against temple last year um or not last year that was 2019 um to make those extra two points that ended up winning the game um, he's, he's had his moments, but he isn't always, you know, the star guy that like, he's not like sauce where everybody just, you know, feeds into him. I think he's that guy who's just quiet, goes about his business, but he's great and he's a stud and, and, and he's, I think he's just as important as sauce. And I think sauce gets so much coverage, uh, because he just has these insane numbers, but Kobe's right there with him. And, and I, again, like you kind of mentioned earlier, like our defense is just insane. It's, and it, it, it has been since. Fickles came into the fold, but it's crazy to see how this defense just continues to evolve and continues to shut down team after team after team. You know, again, it's not like we're playing a top 10 team every weekend, week out, and we're seeing this defense measured against top 10 offenses every week. But to the same effect, if you've got a great defense and the other team has a great offense, your defense generally is still going to win out. But if you have a poor offense against a great defense, you're not getting anywhere. And that's why we're seeing so many of these teams getting blown out is because our offense just has to do their job. And defense goes out there and shuts everything down. So I think it's been great seeing a lot of these huge wins um, that we've had in these massive games where like this scoreline is just sort of ridiculous. I mean, I this is how I felt when I was in high school watching football. And it's, it's weird to be back with that and be watching the Bearcats do that. But it's it's a nice feeling of relief, you know, having a certain confidence going into every game as a fan, not just as like a, you know, a player like they look at their squad and they look at these other teams are playing. It's like, oh, we can take care of them. But like as a fan, just to be like, I have that extra weight off my shoulders because I can just see how we're playing against these teams. It's nice week in and week out. And again, it you know comes back to that number two. I think we finally got some respect and I think we're finally just rolling enough 
to where it's just how long will the Bearcats keep that train rolling? One more thing on Kobe, and we can keep moving, but yeah, I was rewatching the highlights uh, from Saturday's game on YouTube. ESPN's college football YouTube page puts up these great 10-minute-long highlights of each game that they show on their networks, and it's, a, it's really good to watch and like just see what happened. Um, so they had the all-22 shot of the Kobe interception, and first of all, freshman mistake from that UCF QB. He's yeah. staring the, his man down the entire way, and Kobe's playing five yards off because – I, was it second down or was it third down? Uh, that's a good question. I want to say it was. Or was third. they're playing they're playing zone, you know, because UC usually plays zone uh, that in that three three five scheme. And mm-hmm. the funny thing was, Kobe saw it before the quarterback had even released the ball. Yeah. He saw it was going over there because obviously, good uh, good corner is reading his eyes when uh, he's in zone, and he just. Literally, the ball was behind Kobe. Like the the quarterback could have made a better pass to Kobe on right. the way there, because like Kobe had to kind of go behind his head to get the ball before he and he was yeah. flying, you know, there. But it was just a special play from Kobe. He's got really good eyes, and we saw that again on Saturday. So, talk about drone form real quick before we move on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and here's <laughs> here's the other side of this. And so actually, we'll we'll jump into this a little later because we have something new that we're going to be trying with you guys as uh, listeners, but also um, for us ourselves. Uh, we, we started doing predictions last week, and I think we've kind of done that before loosely in some of our old podcast episodes, but trying to really like sort of gamify it now. Um, but I went two for two, which was, which was great because usually like I look at a game and, you know, it's like, OK, cool. Like, I think Des is going to go off and whatever. But um, thankfully, I called the Kobe interception, which was great. When that was happening, I was laughing. I was laughing when I saw him run down the field. I was like, I saw it coming. I read it perfectly. I knew it was going to happen. Um, but Ford, you know, you had had all that. We You had talked so much last week about how the run game is just it it would work and it would be effective against Navy. And we saw it. We saw it just every step of the way. Ford dominated that game. Like, and there's been some big Bearcat games and I don't know where that, that performance stands against like Bearcat running backs that we've had before. Um, and, you know, Michael Warren basically is, you know, he's most recent, but also kind of the pinnacle for running backs when it comes to UC um, as far as like just stat stuffers go. But, I don't know if I've ever seen a Bearcat score four touchdowns. I mean, maybe Mike has done it, but four touchdowns in one game, I can't think of another Bearcat that's done that off the top of my head. I'd have to look into that. But Also, here's the stat for you. I saw it on Twitter on Saturday. Uh, Isaiah Pede once scored four touchdowns in a game in 2010, and Jerome Ford gotcha. did that all in the first half. So yeah, <laughs> um, terrified air for uh, Bearcats yeah. running back to run for four touchdowns. But Good Absolutely. for him. Credit to him. He made the cuts through the holes. I was happy for Lorenz Mets on that 79-yard touchdown run mm-hmm. because he shows in the replay uh, where they're bringing a pulling guard and then they're bringing Josh Wiley in to create that hole. And Mets toes through the gap there, gets it, and then absolutely blew up that linebacker. And, yeah, I mean, obviously he's gotten some fair criticism for you know where he's been good and where he's not been good. Uh, and it's tough uh, for him to bounce back. He's changed positions during his time here, but I think if you get him in the right matchups where he can win, he's just going to be a stud and just be just athlete, some like poor linebacker who only weighs 265 pounds and just bowl him over, get him out of the way, and Jerome will take care of the rest. But I was happy for Mets on that play. Um, I think I, I, I don't really like watching Peach Bowl stuff, obviously, of course not. I'm fairly certain that was the same play they ran uh, on that seven on that long touchdown from the Peach yeah. Bowl because like I remember from the replay just watching it on that day the uh, co- the color commentator said that Mets uh, made a, a good block when he pulled out to go over there and I don't well he would have been playing left tackle but I think it was the same gap anyway something like mm-hmm. that but play from Jerome uh, good blocking all around. And when you got a guy who's like that good and makes you respect the run game that much more, Dez can really unload a yeah. passing game when he needs to. I don't think he'll need to on this on this Saturday's game against Navy, and we'll talk about it later. But 
think there's going to be another good chance to put up some numbers and some stats this week against Navy. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the only other thing I want to touch on is kind of where you just mentioned with, with Des, like having that ability and having so many eligible receivers to, you know, just create offense, looking at how Ford fits into that picture. It's scary for any kind of defense matched up against that Bearcat offense, because it's, you know, pick your poison because you can, if, if you can't stop Ford, you can't stop Des because those plays like now Ford has become the problem. You have to focus on him. And then, like you said, Des can just get those quick little zingers off and make our way up the field. And then it's, you, football is one of those things where, like, of course, every play is going to be a little bit different, but there is a certain pattern to, you know, how plays read out moving up the field. And considering we get first downs so often, like, you could just see, like, I, I looked up a stat. This is crazy, actually. Tyler Scott is averaging 23 yards of reception right now. Granted, he only has, like, 10 receptions on the year, but he's averaging a fifth of the field every time he catches the ball which is just nuts. And, and you have those different weapons that you can go to. It's crazy just how diverse this Bearcats offense is because we've had that before. But like, like you said, in that 2018 season or 2019 season, we were so like run heavy. And it's like, all right, give the ball to Mike and just see what happens. And Des was still developing. And a lot of these other pieces were developing. Pierce was great, but um, you know, it, it wasn't, he, they aren't these solidified roles that they are now, but now it's just, who do you try to, you know, who who's going to be the guy that steps up? Because again, like we said last week, anybody can be that guy on this team, which is a, just a, such a relief as a fan to be able to watch that and see that, you know, whoever the ball is to in the air or whoever's got the ball rushing is probably going to end up getting a first down or getting that touchdown or getting that uh, playmaking difference. So it's nice. Um, and I don't want to linger too much on uh, this UCF game because again, we absolutely dominated um, but I do want to connect this to our next point because, um, this question I, I wanted to bring up for you. I've had this one sitting in the, sitting in the barrel for a few days. And I think you'd probably be of all people that I know would probably be the quickest to answer it, but I'm going to give everybody a 30 second window. And I want you to look at me so I know that there's no cheating and I'm pretty sure you won't have to, but here is our trivia question for Steve this week. When was the last time that the Bearcats shut out an opponent? Zip Zada Zilch from an opponent. When was the last time the Bearcats shut him out? We're going to give you guys a few seconds. Let you think. Let it brew. So All you right. should play the uh, Jeopardy music uh, in this little I, I interval here. About that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to give it five, four, three, two, one. All right, Steve, what's your answer? That would be the 2018 Bearcats who shut out the Naval Midshipmen 42 to nothing at historic Nippert Stadium on a great day. It was a military appreciation day, but the Bearcats, that was all pregame. They took care of business during the game. Rah, rah, rah. But he played well in that game after getting punked uh, the year before that in the Navy game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. They got their shit rocked. Uh, they were not ready for that option. They've seen it now. They know how to defend it. Last year, obviously, was another great example of how they how well that they can defend the option when they played against Army in a game that wasn't on the schedule. And they're just like, oh, we've seen this before. We got it. We're good. So um, this has another potential. I don't, I don't want to say it's going to be a shutout because maybe it's bad, but they're weird at home. I could see another shutout. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And that's, again, where... Because this week feels like the week where it's possible to do that again. And that's part of the reason I wanted to ask you that question. And actually, here's a fun fact for you guys, too. That season consisted of two shutouts because we also, earlier in that season, shut out Miami at Paul Brown Stadium. So there was, was two a... shutouts. But that was 2018, and ever since, we have not had any other shutouts, which feels crazy considering this team has gotten better and better and better every year. But again, I look at the year like 2019, we had three, four games that went into a game-winning field goal 
or just had these monumental moments where it comes down to the wire. And so it hasn't, it's been a while since the Bearcats have like just dominated end to end. And we, we do, but not even garbage time scores. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see. And so that's why I wanted to bring that up because considering how we're going to roll this into um, Navy this week, I think this is our best shot across the whole season. Navy does not look good. The only team that they've beat is UCF, which clearly we saw what we could do against UCF. Um, And it was a close game too. And I I don't remember exactly how that game came down to the wire, but I believe the final score was like 34, 31, something like that. Um, That was it. Cool. So yeah, so it it was a close game. So um, we'll jump back to the Navy point here in a second, but I do want to break down this because we got to mention it last week very briefly, um, but haven't really had the chance to cover it. The Bearcats are a big 12 team now. And since we last had this podcast going, we thought the Big 12 was just some kind of fictional reality after what happened to us in 2016. We all got blue balled so hard by the Big 12. We were expecting that to come through. And, you know, even with our good old friend Mike Bone, like we expected that was going to happen and just nothing. And it just goes quiet. And so it's crazy how quickly this happened. Thankfully, Texas and Oklahoma. Um, decided that they wanted to go to the SEC, which I think does and doesn't help everybody else. Um, I think it opens up some gaps in the Big 12, um, which obviously it did for us to jump in. But not even just that, I think it opens up for other conferences too, because sure, they look quote-unquote more powerful, but really where is Texas and Oklahoma going to sit in the SEC? They're not going to be up there with Georgia and Alabama. I, I feel like they're going to be a three or four team. They're not going to be that like number one team year in, year out. And I feel like they kind of signed their own death waiver when they joined that conference. But I'll look at it as a good thing because the Bearcats, along with Houston and along with UCF and BYU, got to join the Big 12. So I do want to ask you, what's been the coolest thing about joining the Big 12 so far? Like, what are you, or I guess maybe not even what's the coolest thing so far, but what are you most excited about? So, Justin, just to want to make clear, you're confirming that the Bearcats are going to the Big 12. Big 12 confirmed. Is that what you're saying? Oh, Big 12 confirmed. Big 12 that was just solid. The, yeah, that was just the biggest meme over the past five years uh, from mm-hmm. people where, whether it was UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, big uh, BYU fans, it was always just like, oh, yeah, confirmed. They're going this yeah. time. You know? <laughs> Um, we can talk about the the bigger state of college football in an off-season episode. Uh, listeners, by the way, get excited for this offseason. Obviously, enjoy the seasons that are coming up. But the offseason, we're going to have some good stuff for you. But Oh, for sure. Um, I think the Bearcats will line up really well in this current Big 12 landscape. Obviously, I think the Big 12 looked at them, one, because of how well the Bearcats have been doing in football, uh, the recent history, and then basketball, there's been a prolonged history beside the last two years of success. And right. I think also the the Big 12 wanted to help West Virginia out a little bit and say, please don't leave us. Thank you for staying here for 10 years. Here's a friend that's only like three or four hours away. Have fun. Yeah. Um, because West Virginia for a long time had been, been taking a lot of long uh, plane rides to places. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny now to think that UCF is going to be even farther away than a lot of these teams. And obviously they don't care. They're part of a big like, they're part of the Big Twelve too. They don't care right. a lot, like so what for them? But it's just kind of funny to me. But anyway, from the Bearcats standpoint, I think it's only gonna help us. And like we talked about last week, we have a small part of the pie in Ohio, but I think it's still a substantial part of the pie for large football fans in Ohio who are now fans of the Bearcats. And every year that Cincinnati keeps bring, that UC keeps bringing in more students for enrollment. I think there's a lot of kids that are going to be joining that Bearcat train. And uh, yep. because I think we've seen just from our experience as students that there's a lot of kids that they go to UC because like they want, kind of want to get away from Northern Ohio where their parents are, yep. or where they grew up, where their right. hometown is. And then they be, just become like diehard Bearcat fans just because we have a good team in either football or basketball. And I think growing the fan base now is the next thing. And uh, yeah. getting more in-depth some of our diehard fans who really care about recruiting 
getting some of our more surface level fans to buy in even more, trying to convert some more people in Luke Fickle's so-called state of Cincinnati region, the 300 mile radius around Cincinnati, trying to convert a few more people into Bearcat fans. I think John Cunningham also said it where he wants every fourth grader in the city of Cincinnati and the surrounding area to be wearing a UC shirt instead of an Ohio state shirt. Yeah. And to me, it's just, you know, we're, not a separate entity from any of these schools anymore. We we have our validation, even though to UC fans, we already had it on our own. We didn't need to hear from anybody else that we had it because we let our play on the field and on the court show for itself. Now that little patch signifies something for us, and it's going to mean a lot more for us now. We're going to be in a so-called power conference, and now it might change. It might not be the Power Five anymore. It might just be the Power Two with Big Ten and SEC. The alliance is a weird thing. Again, another off-season episode. We'll come to it. We'll discuss it. Figure out where the Bearcats stand in this landscape. But how could you not be excited for you know this new league that the Bearcats are going to? I I think from a basketball standpoint too. Just real quick, go to Fog Allen, one of like the most historic places to host a basketball game. On there for conference games is going to be great. Uh, there's a lot of good Texas schools other than uh, Big Texas that are going to be a great place to play basketball now. I think UC has a pretty good basketball arena in comparison to some of those other schools. West Virginia, I think people are really excited about that because I think that's a tangible rivalry from those old Big East days that if we were really wishing and hoping, I think every Bearcat fan would just be happy with playing football in that Big East 8 conference, you know, of us, Pitt, Syracuse, Rutgers, Louisville, West Virginia. That's why we scheduled that Pitt uh, series in a couple of years in football. That's why we want to schedule Louisville in a couple of years. Teams that we actually see fans of around here, and, like, we've had those sustained rivalries throughout Conference USA, throughout Big East play. I mean, we've been – we have been playing Louisville all the way since like the seventies and sixties in football. Yeah. So it's a real thing. I think now it just elevates our profile as a school. And obviously as an athletics department, we're going to be given a lot of credit for like, for some reason we go like 18 and 12 uh, in a basketball season. We might get that yeah. last bid because Big 12 team, you you knock off a couple other good Big 12 schools, it's going to be a great basketball league for sure. I think, I think UC day one has a real chance, uh, you know, if Fickle decides to stay and keep recruiting the way they are. And I don't think the recruiting is going to really be changed too much by joining the Big 12. I think they can still recruit Ohio pretty well. And then it gives them an opportunity to go into Texas, go into Florida, go into like some of those other states and try and pick off some of those like four-star, five-star types of talent to come play in a power conference now. And I think as long as Coach Fickle stays and as long as Wes Miller builds this up, the football and basketball are going to be in a great spot when they enter the league. And don't let anybody else make you believe it's not going to be 2024. It's 2023. We're going in two years. Absolutely. And I'm I'm definitely on board for that because the sooner that we can do it, the sooner we can get this train going. And honestly, the sooner we can start to use that measuring stick because we've always had these American um, conference opponents for so long now that it started to feel like it's kind of got watered down um, across the across the board, like football and basketball, because we just don't get that same respect that we would get in a conference like the Big 12. And you look at like taking Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12. Okay, cool. Well, even if they're gone, what's left in the Big 12? What look at look, not even just not even just football, but like look at basketball too. Like that's I and we'll touch on this too in our bonus episode, but um for basketball, this is huge. Texas Tech just went to the national championship game a few years ago. Baylor won the national championship last year. Kansas, perennial blue blood every single year. Iowa Oklahoma State, State just had the State. number one draft pick. Exactly. And, and so like these teams have been rolling for so long. And now being able to play in that, um, it, it's it's going to be really interesting. And it, especially if Huggins sticks around for a while too, it'll be interesting to play Huggins as a, you know, 
that's going to be a rivalry game for sure, because we've always had a rivalry with West Virginia, though we haven't played them in so long. That's going to start right back up. And it's, I think it's just a very exciting time to be a Bearcat, to see how this team is going to shift. And I think I almost have a small little bit of jealousy as like a now an alum that like everything's hitting its stride this year. And I just graduated in May. <laughs> so it feels like this one, you know, kind of one of those things where it's, it's nice to be a Bearcat alum. I'm never going to deny that, but um, you know, just to have the excitement of the big 12 and have the excitement of everything starting to fall into stride is really nice. So again, I, we don't want to linger too long on this topic, but big 12. one last thing real quick yeah. though on the big 12 and then we can move on. But I just noticed it just from like posting a random joke about uh, Iowa State wearing uh, the same combo as us, and like we had posted it the day the our official Bearcats Twitter account had posted it about three hours before Iowa State did, and I made a joke about how Iowa State is already copying off us, and we're not even in their conference yet, and like there were just like so many people, like the amount of fans for some of those schools, you don't think about it just because. You know, even for us Cincinnati folk, we think no one watches sports in Iowa, Kansas. We think we're better than them already. (laughs) But like, I mean, like for those schools, that is their life. Their life, like those fans, their life is Iowa State Athletics. Their life is Kansas State Athletics. Like the level of care in this new conference that are going to be, it's going to be matching us. And I don't want to brag on any of the American conference members, but, you know, as as you know from running the barstool account, if we ever like picked on somebody uh, in our own, uh, in our own conference, the only people that really ever pushed back on us was like UCF and Houston. Now, like yeah. there was like maybe a couple for some of those smaller schools, but I remember trying to pick on Tulsa, and like you just no can't. one, nobody responded, cares, nobody cared. But dude, you try to pick on Iowa State. There's people yeah. who just spend their day searching, you know. <laughs> like Oklahoma state in the Twitter search bar and they'll respond to like everything, everything that someone, find. it's a real thing. And it's huge for some of these, these people that, you know, like Oklahoma state could be their whole life. Texas tech could be the only thing they care about. And I think that's just so much bigger for us. The level of buy-in from our conference members and from us is mm-hmm. even better. And I, I, I don't mind. I didn't mind playing at Navy uh, when we went there in 2017, there it's cool there, but not having to visit uh, the the high school gym of the high school gyms of Tulane and East Carolina for yeah. conference basketball games anymore. It's going to be nice. Yes, and I, I'd, this is my last point, just because you mentioned ECU and visiting there. I remember, I think it was the 2018 or 2019 season when we had everybody was sick. We everybody had like a fever or something. We had like. We we lost that game and we were rolling that year. I want to say it was 2018, maybe even 2017, but we were rolling that year and everybody got sick at the same time. And it was just a trash heap of a game to try to like organize everybody together when we've got five or six guys who were out. Uh, So (laughs) again, I won't miss things like that in, you know, in the big 12. It'll be nice to go to games where people care and people show up and people sell out stadiums. That would be awesome, and it would be awesome for the Bearcats to be trained game in, game out to play in an arena or play in a stadium where everybody shows up. That's nice. We just, we're just we just not used to that. We're used to being the ones that show up. We're used to being the ones that set the tone. It would be nice to have other people say, all right, welcome to our house. This is how it is. You know, Can you hang with the big guys? So I'm excited for that. But again, back to Navy. Um, this, is, this is the game for this week, and this is... Uh, I think, like we said earlier, the biggest potential for the Bearcats to um, show not just winningness, but absolute dominance. Because Navy has not put up the best numbers this year. Currently, they're 1-5, 1-3 in, in, in conference. Again, we had mentioned that they um, had only won against UCF earlier this year. But the points that I want to mention here was how their defense stacks up and how their offense stacks up. Their defense really is not that bad in comparison to, you know, what you would expect for a team that's one in five. They're allowing 369 yards a game, but they're only scoring with 274 yards a game. 274 yards a game is not going to get you very far when the Bearcats are averaging 
almost 450 yards a game, much less when you always have to run the ball and everybody knows your game plan. They don't have like a flexible game plan because like you said, it's that triple option. Like you, you know what's going to happen when you play Navy. Like they're going to try to run the ball down your throats. And if you can shut them down, they can't do anything because they average 60 yards a game in passing, which is just, I don't know. Navy and army are just the outliers in that field, but it just always feels so odd to me that like, I mean, it's effective, but if their one game plan that they've had for, you know, decades on end doesn't work, they're not going to win. So I just, I find it incredible that they haven't been one in five consistently year in and year out for so long. Like, you know what's going to happen when you play Navy. Well, and then for years, Army was the bad one because they were just like, and like one in the one in 10, two in 10, like they're posting a lot of bad seasons until about 2014, 2015, when they started really getting resurgent under their new coach. Um, and like our Navy had won like 15 straight games against army for a while before they lost. And now army holds the upper hand in that rivalry, which I know army loves and Navy hates. That's a great yeah. game to watch on that Saturday, that army Navy game. It's like being transported to what college football was like in 1955. It's right. awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, but for, for Navy, uh, they've just not had a good year. I don't think they have a dynamic quarterback who's able to run that system. Well, if you remember Keenan Reynolds in uh, 2016, he had um, he was gonna he was taking a helicopter from Philadelphia to New York to be in the Heisman ceremony. But the Navy played a game that day because it's it's always the same day the Heisman ceremony and the Navy Army Navy game. He was like really good and he was a really good athlete. And uh, they had another guy recently that I forget who ended up like playing DB for the the Seahawks or something. But they don't they don't have that that top guy who's gonna like really make plays and make a difference because like, you know the other guy's a running back, which sometimes they can make a play. The fullback is the third option, and that's just to get two three bully yards. But Right. You don't have a quarterback that can make plays and get out of tackles, make spin moves and stuff. It, they're just not going to play that well. And obviously, their one and four record. I don't even know how they beat UCF because I think UCF is a pretty talented team, regardless of how we played, because we were just more talented than them. I still think UCF should be pretty talented. And that to losing to Navy is just, it's not a good look for them. Yeah. Other than that, though, Navy would be 0 and 6, and they would be looking even worse. They did already. They fired their the AD fired their uh, offensive coordinator earlier this year. Uh, offensive coordinator who had been working at Navy for twenty years, or wow. had been working with the head coach for twenty years, um, and then the head coach brought back the offensive coordinator as an offensive assistant a day later. <laughs> so weird times at the Naval Academy right now. That being said, uh, Justin, I think I'm ready to give my predictions. With that said, we're going to jump into these predictions because um, I think we might have some pretty lofty ones, but I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see. So this week, we are updating a new segment that we added last week where Steve and I will be making our bets on the stars of each Bearcat game. We'll also have a point system to go along with it that will update again each week. We'll be keeping track of this throughout the season, and that the leader at the end of the season will win a prize, which we have not decided what that prize is going to be yet. Um, but with that said, this is how this works. So. Each week, there's going to be a potential for up to 15 points, five of those coming from correctly calling the players of the game in a selected category and whether or not the Cats will cover the spread. There will be a bonus of up to 10 points awarded for correctly calling the exact score of the game. So you get five points if you correctly call the Bearcats score and five points if you correctly call the opponent's score versus trying to just do one whole thing to get the thing right because that's impossible. (laughs) Um, To us, this makes the Bearcat games even more fun. Uh, week in and week out, especially considering the cats have been running it up as of late. So we are also considering adding a way for you, the listeners, to participate and perhaps even win some prizes. Um, we're going to get to that. That's still a work in progress. But without further ado, here are some of the categories for our predictions. So we have an offensive MVP, defensive turnover creator, which this is just one point, but it's awarded to a player who forces or recovers a turnover should you pick that player. And that could be anybody as long as it's on the defensive side of the ball. Also, receiving leader, tackles leader, whether or not the Bearcats cover, and of course, then the final score. So, 
I got to ask you, Steve, give us some of your predictions. So for offensive MVP, who are you going to take? Sir, I am going to take Dre Tucker. Dre Tucker is faster than any of these nice young men who are going to serve our country one day uh, that are currently playing playing for the Naval Academy. And uh, Tucker's just faster than them. Uh, flat, flat, plain, simple, whatever you want to say. So my offensive MVP will be Trey Tucker. I could see a big game for him. Gotcha. Okay. How about your defensive turnover creator? Um, I don't want to make you mad, so I'll leave him for you. And I will just say that. No, my no, no. Jason... You can take whoever you want. No, no, no. You're wearing the shirt. So <laughs> I am just going to say that this is my Jay Shan- Sanders game to shine. And he will create a fumble, even though the Navy guys, they're taught how to protect that ball. My Jay's going to get in there and rip one out. So uh, I'll pick my Jay. Gotcha. All right. And then for receiving leader, who do you have? Um, I will stick with Trey Tucker for that one. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to pick him for offensive, it might as well. All right. Uh, for tackles leader, who do you have? Um, this one may be a little bit off the board, but since he's going to be playing a lot and coming down to make those tackles, I'm going to say Ty Van Fossen because he's been a pretty solid player. Uh, he's print. I don't exactly know the position he plays, but I do know he plays linebacker and, um, uh, trying to stop the option you're going to have the linebackers making a lot of tackles because they're going to come down and the defensive line is not going to be able to make a ton of plays because they're you know getting cut blocked and stuff and obviously those linebackers when they're getting out they're getting cut blocked as well but i'm going to say ty van fossen because i remember i think like joel DeBlanco had a bunch of tackles in that uh 2018 navy game so but i'll say uh, ty gets that because i remember uh, jerrell white had a bunch last year against army as well so i think since ty and deshaun pace have been taken over in that jerrell role i would say that ty gets a lot of tackles this weekend sure all right and then so this current spread is at 27 and a half so are the bearcats going to cover i'll say yes and I'll just give you my final score along with it. I'm going to say 45 to 10 UC. All right. That's pretty solid. All right, Justin. You, who will be your offensive MVP? Um, I'd love to pick anybody else to just make it interesting, but I'm going to go with Dez because uh, Navy's pass defense has looked uh, like their biggest hole. They've seemed to be able to shut down the run, at least considering what they're putting up. So I'm going to go with Dez. I think that he might be able to sling a couple touchdowns in this one. Um, Maybe not having four, but I think he might be able to pull at least three out of the hat. I think it's going to be a solid game from Dez. Who will be then your defensive turnover creator? Defensive turnover creator? It's got to be Pace. Pace has just been a stud this year. He's leading the team currently in tackles. Um, and I think just with how active he is on the ball, you can't look at the way we're going to play against Navy and not think that he's going to force something. And if, and if God forbid they try to throw the ball, it's, you know, you got snakes in the water trying to pick one of those off. So I think Pace is going to be my guy for this week. Yeah, I've, I figured so. A former <laughs> Steve would have taken that from you, but... Steve, I'm trying to be a little bit nicer. Uh, your receiving leader for the game, sir. Receiving leader, um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pierce on this one. I think just he's I I like your pick in uh, Tucker just because he is so quick, but I think Pierce is just gonna be able to get up there, and it seems like Pierce really is uh, Des's favorite option. And if I'm gonna go with Des for my MVP, I might as well have somebody else who's probably gonna rack up the most yards. I think that's probably gonna be Pierce this week. Uh, okay, good, to, good to think. Good, good, good thought there. Tackles leader for this Saturday's contest. God, that's a that's kind of a tough one, but I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna have to go pace because I I think that he's just gonna like I said earlier, just he's gonna stay active and he's gonna be on every play. Um, and he is currently our tackles leader. I think it's a safe bet. I'm gonna run with pace. Yeah. All right, that's fair enough. And I will ask you uh, this ta- this one in tandem. I will ask for your final score. And do you think the Bearcats are going to cover? I have no question that the Bearcats are going to cover. 
that spread is far too nice for how good these Bearcats have been playing and for how piss poor the offense is for Navy. I think the Bearcats are going to run it up again this week. Um, I'm going to say final score. I'm going to say 52 to 7. I don't think that Navy's going to be able to do much, but they'll get a garbage time score. But I think the Bearcats are going to run it up this week. 52-7. It's going to be a big one. With all due respect to our Naval uh, Academy, fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, (laughs) this has been Viva La Cats. Thank you guys for listening. You can check out our bonus episode Coming up next, probably the next thing down in your feed, go ahead, tap on that whenever you're ready, and listen to us talk some Bearcats basketball. If you aren't already, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, and follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to listen, to stay up to date for our newest episodes. Thanks, guys, and have a good one. Bearcats.